G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby podcast number 192. Uh, we got a special sponsor on board. Uh, it's somebody actually that I've been working with. I think it might have been since maybe even their like first or second year that they're in business because it seems like a long time ago and that's Dropbox. Um, so I've been using it personally for a long time and then I've started using it in business as well, um, in a small business and in a big business. And um, so they're really worthwhile having a look at. It just makes it, I can't believe everything is in the, in the cloud these days. I know we've got some tech geeks who will um, have other things to say um, around that as well. But I just, you know, it's, it just makes the world so much easier and you can use it across any platform. So whether you're on Macs, PCs um, and whatever tools you're using, you can use Dropbox as well. Um, lots of other um, Aussie businesses are using it. There's a 30-day trial on. You just need to go to drop, uh, dropbox.com slash business uh, and give it a go and try it for yourself. We use it here at Green and Gold Rugby. So there you go. Surely that's the ultimate recommendation. Um, joining me to concur, no doubt, I've got Hugh Cavill. Hugh, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, is that a personal sponsor matter? Or is that a site? Because I know you, you know, you've, you've been doing a lot more media work now, and I just thought, you know, these kind of endorsements tend to tend to kind of develop. So, I mean, is that is is it a, is it a sort of Matt Rowley thing? Or yeah, it's, it's brand Rowley. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, some other people's personal brands later in the in the podcast as well, no doubt. Um, but no, no, it'll be it'll be green and gold rugby, but that'll be feeling the goodness. Um, oh, good, good to ha- good to have them aboard. Welcome <laughs> the Dropbox goodness. Um, you could be in line for a pay rise, Hugh. You you never know. Um, oh, I've been told that before. <laughs> speaking of staffing, uh, we've got a uh, long-time listener, first-timer on the podcast. Actually, Robert, you've been uh, you've been with Green and Gold Rugby for a long, long time. We've got Robert um, uh, Mitchell, who's otherwise known as uh, Bobus, uh, on the on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah, good evening, guys. It's 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 an honour, really. A little bit nervous. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I kind of feel like you've grown up around the green and gold rugby. Would I be wrong? When did you first start? I have. It? I definitely have. I've I've made some mistakes. <laughs> that was made funny. some errors. I've um I've tried to pay my dues and hopefully, <laughs> you know, peaking at the right time. Indeed. Well, like a lot of people talking about the Wallabies uh, peaking for the right mm. time. So look, uh, we'd love to be talking. Uh, with the uh, team sheet in our hands, but obviously with uh, the game being on sort of Sunday night, uh, Monday morning, uh, everything's a day later. So um, we haven't got sniff of it, but we're going to have a, that's not going to stop us though, right? So we're going to still have a, a good wang about who we kind of assume the team is going to be. Um, have a bit of a wang about, um, I've actually managed to make myself watch Scotland play um uh, a bit of rugby, and so uh, we can have a bit of a talk about that. And then the teams are starting to come out for Saturday night um, as well. Plus, there's been a few other bits and pieces happening around the traps. Um, so, look, why don't we start off with um, the state of the Wallabies, uh, where we think they are at the moment. Uh, obviously, we had some worries about some injuries there. Hugh, um, I think you've had your ear to the ground on this. What, is it, what do we think is going to be the likely team? Well, I mean... Judging by the rhetoric that's coming out of um, Michael Checker in the camp, it seems fairly positive around Israel Folau and David Pocock. I think um, 
both are, are back in sort of limited training. Um, the word is Falau's ankle is better than it was at the same point last week. So I think I think if they played him against Wales, it's probably pretty safe to assume they'll play him in the quarterfinal. And, and um, I think David Pocock um, seems to be okay as well. So uh, I could be could be proven to be wrong in a day's time by the time people are listening to this, but um, I have a feeling that um, we might see something very close to an unchanged lineup, or certainly with um, the addition of Michael Hooper back in the side. Um, <clears throat> the other one that's that's um, purported to be back on the scene is Rob Horn, miraculously, uh, just a few weeks after having his um, left arm detached. Yeah. Uh, there's been some sort of miracle surgery, and I think They've been getting the uh, palm fronds that Wasaki Naholo was using, and um, <laughs> looks like he's um, he's back back on the men. So it could be a, a bit of a surprise selection either in the starting fifteen or probably more likely on the bench. Yeah, I mean that's quite amazing. Uh, yeah, because I think it was a partial dislocation um, that he had in his shoulder in the end. Uh, so well, you think you uh, think he's been injured so much now? He must just be this sort of weird mess of sinew that. <laughs> kind of all morphs into one and you know like one of those sort of elastic men that, that you really sort of all falls back into place pretty easily now yeah it's all kind of de- uh, detachable um, has he had a lot of um arm injuries because i know he had a lot of problems with his hamstrings i seem to remember an elbow injury yeah. that kept him out for quite a yeah. while a few years ago um and that was something that that was a bit ongoing but uh, i can't doesn't seem to remember shoulder, but again with Rob Horn, he's had the he's mm. he's almost had the full set, so you, you'd kind of think it'd be in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but look, uh, Rob, out of those injuries though, which one kind of had you worried the most? Which one were you uh, are you most fearing? I was worried the most at the time with Pocock because mm. I saw him get treatment on a couple of times, and he definitely wasn't running at full speed mm. around the park. But I mean, uh, most people would have read that he had a scan. You know, one of those expensive ones we don't get to have, but elite sports people do. <laughs> um, and they showed no tear. So, I mean, if he's right to go on the weekend then, and he's not going to do more damage to it, I'm pretty oh. relieved. Well, I'm, I'm relieved about that news <clears throat> then if they did do the scan and, and, and release the news about it. Because, yeah, my, my fear, feeling watching that, it just even in the first time he went down, the, the look on the trainer's face and the look mm. on his face was that they seemed to feel or think that it might have been something worse than that and I always remember that when was it a few years ago when there was that footage of him on the sideline basically reattaching his thumb do you remember he he dislocated a thumb and he just sat there kind of trying to plug it back in um so I mean he's you know he's made of pretty stern stuff so he wouldn't have been limping around for no reason so I I must admit I was pretty concerned because just the the form he's been in has just been quite spectacular um so it would have been and I just think I think the pooper has got the Kiwis really worried. Um, so yeah, I was really hoping uh, he wasn't he wasn't going to go out. Um, so yeah, going in, I've I've been watching the the weather forecast as well. Um, Hugh, it's looking like good weather. So what are we what do you reckon we're going to do? I mean, we've seen such different contrasting Wallaby styles. What what are you expecting to see on the weekend? Oh look, I think we'll just try and play play it to our patterns like we kind of did against England, going back a bit. Um, I expect to see a little bit of knockout rugby, being a bit pragmatic and not trying to run the ball too much out of our own half. Um, I'd also expect us to see um, just trying to work the wider channels a little bit more. Again, try and work that. I think Tavita Kurandrani will be getting a lot of work in that 13 channel and Israel Falau coming in if he's fit um, will be another one. And certainly trying to keep that pressure on the scrum. 
Um, not sure what to make of Scotland Scrum, to be honest. Uh, WP Nell, um, that classic Scottish name, um, <laughs> who used to um, actually came came to prominence scrummaging in the Cheetahs a few years ago um, on the other side of Kearney Eustarsen. And um, he's a decent player, and, and that's a pretty underrated front row. And even with their second string hooker now coming in, I still think it, it might be a pretty, pretty close battle. So, um, look, I think it'll be pretty attritional, and the Scots will be trying to make it um, a pretty messy kind of game to suit their style. But, um, look, I, I think uh, this Wallaby team, much like the Waratahs of Michael Checker, will be playing a pretty similar style and um, and uh, playing that those patterns that we've come to see off running forwards, running off Bernard Foley and running in those wider channels. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, Rob, I mean, what, what do you reckon? What are you, what are you hoping to see out of, out of this? I, I agree with you, but I would also say that against Wales, we didn't, earn the right to play in that channel. Mm. We moved it there yeah. too far behind the advantage line and then we just got shut down. We had we had nothing once we moved it wide and we've really got to soak those players up in the middle first before before playing wide a wider game. Yeah. Well I mean, certainly I look to mix up a little bit more with, with, you know, a little grubber or something in behind the line just to keep the keep the rush defence honest if that's what Scotland are going to employ. I'm not sure if I they will I think they will. Oh really? Well, well um, it's hard to tell until the day as to, you know, the, but you think if they learnt anything from Wales, yeah. if they were watching that game... If they, they, yeah, managed, um, if they managed to get hold of a tape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even a VC, you know, a VCR or even just a, a sort of an audio recording of the commentary um, would be enough, you'd think. And, uh, yeah. get, get, you know, to get them to shoot out and, and, and hit that sort of, um, that you know, our inside centre kind of channel, which is what the Welsh were doing really well and, and cutting, cutting our attack off there, you'd think they'll be employing that strategy. Well, if you've seen anyone do anything against any checker side for the last, you know, the last two years, really, um, that's where the Tars were coming unstuck as well. Um, people using that kind of rush defence. Uh, I, I seem to remember a game against the Stormers. Was it, was it earlier on at this beginning of this season or was it last season when the Stormers did that? And, and the Tars had nothing. And um, I think it was the same sort of problem we saw on the weekend. And I just think, you know, if anyone's done any vague amount of homework... Um, you know, the Scots will have to, they'll just have to give it a go. Um, I actually uh, watched, uh, I, must have been, I haven't managed to get through the, all of it yet, but half of the Scotland-Samoa match. Um, it, it's not hard to watch, actually. It's pretty entertaining, but it's really entertaining because the Samoa really just go to town on them um, and just absolutely carve them. And it's not even necessarily running over the top of guys. Obviously, Samoa's got some big, powerful runners. It's not so much that. Um, just... You know, just simple inside balls, um, you know, offloads, and the Scots are nowhere. Uh, so, you know, look, I, I think the Scots, if, if I was the Scots, I'd be going, look, our only hope here is probably sort of this would be a rush defence, hope hope to kind of shut the back line down before they can get anything moving. Because if, if I think if we do, I think we're going to really carve them up. Um, just one thing going back, Hugh, you mentioning you're talking about the, the, the scrum. I think the Scots are actually um, appealing those bands for those two guys. Is it Ford and Gray or someone? Um, yeah. The second rower and, 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 the, and the hooker. But I can't imagine that'll get them off for, for this match, right? Oh, you'd be really surprised if World Rugby took what was initially a five-week sentence that was reduced to three with uh, discount for good behaviour and, and turned it into zero. I think they'd be more likely looking at another week reduction or two. Uh, I, uh, or, or even one of them might get off if if something all, you know, there's different evidence presented mm. or different angles or something that su suggests that one person was less culpable than the other. But um, 
I'd be pretty surprised with how um, how the judiciary came down on that. So you're saying this is probably like a one of the more optimistic appeals. This is you know for when well, I, look, no, not... for when they hit the the final. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's. The, I mean, they'll probably just be happy to give their two players a rest for this week and uh, and get them to freshen up for the semi. Indeed, but look, that that leads us into one of the big talking points. I think of the week. It's been bubbling along for a number of weeks now. I think ever since uh, one of the Tuolangis ended up with that five-week ban for, um, for for the knee, which I think got repealed in the end, but um, or, or, or um, got a couple of weeks taken off it. Um, but a lot of people up in arms. Um, I know all the Welsh were having a good old whinge about Pocock uh, not copying a, a proper ban. Then we had Sean O'Brien um, coming out of last weekend where he just flat out turned around and, and, and whacked Pape. Um, and then all the scuttlebutt that was out just when we did our last podcast about there being some sort of Hapawate incident involved turned out not to be true either. Um, a lot of people getting the, the knickers in a twist about this, saying it's it's all over the place. Um, Rob, what's what's your take on the whole situation? Where's it got to? It's it's tough. It's a, it's a little bit of a lottery sometimes, but like I don't agree with the Sean O'Brien one. I think he should have got longer. Mm-hmm. Is that because just because, we, so we just because of the intent to really, I'm going to hit someone. Yeah. Um, whereas the other one, you know, all the other ones are, are playing the game, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what about what about you, Hugh? I know you've you've got a bit of refereeing in your background there, haven't you? So. Yeah, it's funny, and, and it's something. You, interestingly enough, I went back and um, I watched the YouTube clip today because I think it's a, it's four years to the day that Sam Warburton got his red card. Um, in that semi-final against the French, and you look at that tackle back now, and and look, you know, I feel like at that exact moment, the referee Roland kind of set a standard for the next four years of guys. Now this is a red card now, mm. and you look back at that now, and it's pretty pretty rough. You know, he dropped dropped him more or less on his head, um, and you can't really complain too much about that red. And looking at what happened there, um, you know. There's an article in today's paper, I can't remember which one, I think it was Planet Rugby maybe, or just basically breaking down the inconsistencies. And that's my problem. I think you look at the individual decisions the judiciary have made and you can make cases to support that. And, you know, those two Scots were a bit sort of unlucky with that clean out there. And But the result is you, you drop someone on, on, on their head in a dangerous situation. Same goes for Sean O'Brien. You can't be punching people mm. um, on the field. Um, but what the the issue is 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 twofold. Is you know there's a lot of suspensions so far, and if the referees are missing all of these, and they're all deemed to be red card offences, well, that raises an issue that that there's a disconnect between the referees and the judiciary as to what constitutes a red card offence. Um, and the second one is is the things that have been missed, and and you know there's one tackle. It, it's worth finding from an Argentinian on a Namibian player after he'd passed the ball where he basically picked him up and dropped him on his head. That that really should have been... Uh, it was Marcelo Bosch, and I think he's copped one week for it. And you look at it now, and that should have been a red card in probably three or four weeks going off the Warburton um, example. And, mm. you know, that's where the disconnect starts to come in. And, and you know, you see blokes getting off for things that... Um, um, that other other people have been penalised for, and, and so I mean, ultimately, with any across any sport, it comes down to someone looking at the cam, looking at the tape, one person, and there's no foolproof system to making it completely consistent and um, completely foolproof. But um, oh, look, uh, I don't know. It does. A few of the decisions leave a bit of a leave a bit of a bitter taste, don't they? 
Well, I know, look, so just, I don't know if either of you guys can clarify this for me, but I know Will McDougall was making this point when it was around, around the time of the Hooper ban um, back at the England game when he cleared out Mike Brown with no, no arms. Um, was that, isn't it that the case that in order to put a ban on, you need to have satisfied the criteria that it should have been a red card on field? Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, but that clear out from Michael Hooper, you know, I think no matter, I mean, A, it was right in front of the ref, so the ref had seen it anyway, but I think you'd watch that a thousand times and you'd never say it was a red card. I mean, at most, that's a yellow card. So how do you wind up with a post-match ban on a sighting? Well, and that's the thing, and you look at that and the referees, all three officials, or two match officials and the TMO, Mm. all were right there in front of Hooper's clean-out all saw it and had the opportunity to break it down on replay, and the TMO definitely would have seen it on replay. Mm. And if, the, if those three officials who you would say are, you know, top of the top of the game, you know, uh, the international refs, if they didn't determine that a red card offence, well, it's a bit like, you know, it, it, is it a red card offence if those guys all say it isn't? And, and so to have, have a siding commissioner come in and say, no, that was, and, you know, there's... Um, well, it's, it's, it's a mess, and it always has been a mess, and right. I think it always will be a mess. But it, it always hurts when come World Cup time when these folks start to get rubbed out of key matches yeah. because um, it just kind of exposes it to more people that, you know, it's a mess. Well, I mean, I've never seen anybody get a red card for a, a clean-out. I mean, even, even backies with worst, worst clean-outs with no arms onto guys' heads never got him a red card. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that, that seems just sort of inconsistent throughout. Um, the one thing I was going to raise, I, I was reading today, was apparently... Part of the reason why Sean O'Brien managed to get off with a week, I think it started at three, didn't it? And then they kind of whittled it down. Um, was that um, bec- was partly was because of his behaviour during the hearing. Um, so you know, because he, he showed good behaviour before and during, they managed to take a week off, um, which I think had a lot of people scoffing, like you know, um, you know, how can that possibly be a criteria in a mitigating circumstance? Um, I can understand people having had long-term good behaviour, which sort of attests to their character. But, you know, the fact that you put a shirt and tie on to go to the, the hearing really shouldn't be saving you weeks. Um, he, had, he had good posture as well. Yeah, good, exactly, and good diction. Um, <laughs> so, well, uh, it's interesting to pull up Sean O'Brien. The other factor in that hearing was that Pascal Pape wrote this statement that was somewhat melodramatic about how you know, he felt pain the entire game and, and since, and it's been a horrific incident for him. And he, you know, struggled on in that game and barely was able to play. Yeah. To which someone rightly pointed out, well, you had 17 tackles and, th- and eight hit ups in a, you know, in a t- top line test. You mustn't have been hurt that bad, mate. Like, it, it, it's all, it just leaves a bit of a sour taste, all that. Uh, it's a psychological scouring, though, that happens to you. That's what, that's, <laughs> that's what you're discounting there when you've been assaulted like that. Um, which I'm sure has never happened to him in French rugby. It's a pretty pretty genteel sport. Um, <laughs> look, um, we had a, a new writer today, um, uh, Ben, uh, write an article. And in it, he, um, he, he made a point. Yeah, Ben Yates. He made a point that actually the way things are going, uh, there's a lot of work. There's a lot going on off the ball. Um, and for example, I think we all know that you know, in the modern game with how fast it is, especially around the breakdown, 
uh, being able to keep players, you know, out of the line is a big thing, especially if you can keep a Pocock or a Hooper or whoever else um, out. And, um, for example, we saw with that uh, Hooper incident, you know, it was the Welsh hooker who was holding on to him. And there's a lot of holding on and, and niggly bits going on off the ball. You remember that's the Argentinian thing that happened with Michael Hooper, um, for example, uh, during the rugby championship. But anyway, Ben's point was that at the moment the way it's going is that you've got the protagonists who are holding players back um, and then when those other players because basically they're not no one's officiating it no one's adjudicating it have to do something and take the law in their own hand just so they can go and play rugby they're the people who cop it and for example maybe they get even worse they get an on-field yellow card or, or something like that takes the uh, their team down to, ten, to uh, down a man or, or more um, and that the person who started it all through a legal play gets absolutely nothing and that actually the chances are either that you know you might not only will you get away with it but actually you might even manage to get you know the other player sent off so why the hell wouldn't you do it um, what do you reckon Rob is there a bit of sense in that uh, you, you, you're hitting the right um... <laughs> You're hitting the key issues here. It's pretty hard. It's just they just need more consistency. In the, there's so many, so many of these examples. I remember a, a while ago, and just to mention um, Quade Cooper again on your podcast, so you get more listeners. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I remember. I think it might have been the Welsh number nine stamping near him, and he grabbed his leg and he kept pushing his leg against him. And I think he tr- tried to take a bite out of the back of his car for at least. Um, <laughs> But I'm thinking, oh, yeah. uh, do you guys Mike, remember this incident? Mike Phillips, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, I can't remember who the Welsh yeah, player was. Yeah. It was definitely Quade Cooper and someone. Mm. And, and they, it's been and going on, this type thing, of stuff. Yeah, I remember this. And they had a, this, then he scored and shouted at him or there was vice versa and there was some, the, the, yeah, the, it, it continued, it carried on for yeah. a while. But this kind of off the ball stuff, it's not a new thing. It's just the fact that people are getting suspended for it now. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think it's a new thing that retaliation attracts more attention than the original offence. It's always been the way that, you know, players know what they can get away with and they niggle and they hold people back. And, it's a, you know, it's really tough for the officials to pick that up because they're looking at a ruck and, you know, it's a bit like the teacher teacher in school. When you turn your back to write something on the on the chalkboard, then, you know, whiteboard in, in my, my day. I wasn't old <laughs> enough for the chalkboard, but um, I'm sure Matt was... Um, it's late. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, once, when, the, when the teacher turns his back, you can get away with a certain amount of things and, and the people, people are going to push that and push those rules. So it's a tough one. I mean, I agree with you that there needs to be some recourse for, for that sort of niggly kind of play of, of holding people back. And I think it's got to – referees have got to address it when they see it. So it's things like around rucks and, you know, clearing out past the ball and clearing out for – you know, and the touchies have got to be a bit more – on that as well. Um, I think there's a certain amount of that that's been accepted and I think we've probably gone a little bit too far past and, yeah. and um, you know, it's, it's just that, you know, it's, it's little things like, for example, when um, Bernard Foley scored his try against England when Kirtley Beale made that lovely break on the inside and, and you saw that um, it was the English number eight, um, Morgan, who, who actually grabbed Foley on the way through yeah. uh, after Foley had passed it. And, and, you know, that's the type of thing that actually should have been, a, you know, a penalty offence and you know, boring on a penalty try. Had, and Foley could have milked it probably um, and, and drawn a yellow card or drawn something. But, I mean, that, that's the type of little thing that kind of gets in there in the play. And you just sort of 
we've just kind of become so desensitized to it that we allow it to pass. But um, but, sure but, I think, but I think Robin made a really good point there, which is that in the old days, in, you know, back when um, before whiteboards, um, <laughs> you know, they, you know, first of all, the 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 retaliation, you know, when you kind of belted the guy because he was holding on to you, well, the worst that would have happened to you was the penalty get reversed, right? Um, mm, so yeah. whereas, you know, these days, like Rob's saying, you know, yeah. someone spots something like that. And, and it's you, a, it's a half a week later. Yeah. And you, and you take, and you take, and it, it doesn't benefit the team that the penalty is mm. going against. It just benefits the team that the other team's playing next. Mm. Well, and, and, there's, and there's no off field sanction for hanging onto someone's leg, right? It's not like that, that guy's going to get a yellow card anyway. So mm. it's, it's kind of, it's kind of got, got it into the, into, into a state where, you know, there's only what. There's like a no-brainer almost, um, you know, to, to do that sort of stuff because the whole thing's kind of, you know, is kind of balanced and and, and out of whack. Um, yeah, look, it, yeah, it's it's tough. It's, it's it's a really tough issue, and and um, I don't think any sport does it particularly well to to, to raise that point too. I mean, yeah. AFL, NRL. I mean, you're right. NRL being too lenient and the AFL being erratic. Um, uh, and even gridiron is just too slow. Yeah. <clears throat> Gridon just has has a bizarre sort of standard, so uh, it's it's a it's they a try and do everything at the time, and it takes ten minutes to set up another play. Yeah, well, you can settle in for a good <laughs> four hours though. God, could you imagine? Could you imagine your weekends on Super Rugby? Uh, <laughs> it would be wall to wall. Um, alrighty, so look, I think that's most of the the, the 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 sort of the noise and the news around the the Wallaby camp this week. I think we've got two guys, uh, but looking at their hundredth uh, cap, though, we've got both Squeaky Moore and uh, Matt Giddo in the same match. Isn't that the case? Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit worried about this game. I mean, anyone any Wallaby fan should be worried about a matchup with Scotland, given our given our recent history. But um, well, a lot we, of pressure on. You know, we are their bunnies. Two out of the last three, isn't it? Something like exactly. That. And the, and the and the one that we won too. I went back and watched the YouTube highlights of that today. Um, hard at work as always. Um, well, but it um, have taken long, did it? <laughs> what year was that? 2013, and it was a very muddy sort of game, a very you know scrappy, and we won. I think 2115. Mm. With um, Leah Lafano potting about um, seven penalty goals or six penalty goals, but um, it was pretty messy. And so, if it, if recent history is anything to go by, this might be a bit of a slog. And and I don't think we want a slog. We've we've had enough of them. And and, and yeah, I, I'll tip the Wallabies obviously, but um, I think this game might be a little bit closer than uh, what people think. Yeah, well, they they're, they're real scrappers, and I mean. I've, you know, over the years, I've been to them a number of times when, you know, Scotland have, you know, they're, you know, about to take out the wooden spoon from the Five Nations or the Six Nations or whatever it was, and they managed to get themselves up, you know, for that for that game, and, and they just play that spoiling game, you know. Now, if it's pissing down rain and wet, that helps them even more, but um, they can do it in the dry, so they can make life exceedingly difficult, um, and, you know, like we were talking about, I don't know, some of those pressure tactics, if they get them right, you never know. But, look, having said all that, like I say, um, if you want to make yourself feel better, go and watch the scotland Smoa game. Um, and I think it shows that if you can get the pace up, that I think Scotland are going to struggle, um, especially against a team that has a little bit more form around the tight and the set piece, um, like I think we do at the moment. Um, uh, there was a nice little bit, I don't know if, I'm sure you guys had seen it, I don't know if the guys, people listening had where um, there's a little clip that we had that's actually on our Facebook page, which you can find, which was Gits and Squeak 
at a press conference and Gitto's talking in sort of franglais um, for about uh, 10, 15 seconds and then Squeaky Moore calls him a show-off um, on the microphone, uh, which is which a nice, it's a nice little bit. But um, it's, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of a reversal there now that Squeaks, he is the effing captain now. Uh, as, they, as they do these things, but anyway, so that's that's the thing. Um, so, what do you guys look? We've we've talked around it. Where are you guys at with uh, predictions? What are you going to say, Rob? Uh, I mean, I just hope that the backs get into some form after the last game, get some confidence up in the first twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and that's really going to be whether it's going to be a grind out game or we're going to be comfortably ahead. Yeah, I think um, if we can just get on the front foot for the first twenty minutes of the game, get a couple of tries early, we'll we'll win the game by twenty points. But mm. if we're if it's going to be a tight twenty first twenty minutes and a tight half time, then I think it might be another a bit like the Wales game. All right, um, Hugh. Yeah, look, I think I tip the Wallabies by nine, maybe ten. Uh, my, our bench gives me uh, a lot of um, a lot of sort of heart in, in how they've been playing, um, both at the set piece and, and outside. I think that's where we'll probably pull away. Um, if we can have our nose in front at, at the 60-minute mark, then I think we'll have too much class for them at the back end. Um, so, look, on paper, this should be a pretty comfortable win for us, and, and I certainly hope it is. But, you know, knockout rugby can throw up some funny things. So, um, I'm, um, you know... Being a Wallaby fan for the past, well, for, for the past sort of twelve years or so, you know, you do develop a natural pessimism with these things. So I'm still not quite ready to fully commit to this team and uh, and and say that they're going to be putting you know putting teams away by thirty or forty. Um, which even though they they should be able to do it, um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not ready to to open open myself up fully to that eventuality. So right. I'm I'm am keeping keeping the keeping the lid on and saying uh, Wallabies by nine. Okay. Well, look, I had I had dinner with somebody who's a um, yeah a, a rugby fan uh, during the week, and uh, yeah, his the quote from his was, "I'm on the verge of being optimistic." <laughs> yes. And it was like oh, this sort of thing. Look, I I think um, especially because the weather forecast is looking good, I think it could be quite an arm wrestle. Um, you know, right up even through half time. Uh, but I think we're going to blow it away in the last twenty minutes. And so I'm going to put us. Uh, I'm going to say by 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 two tries or more by the end of the match. Um, especially if um, the Scots are missing a couple of their frontline players through suspension, which I think they. They probably will be. Um, so, like we say, the Wallabies team isn't out yet, but um, a few other teams are um, around the traps. Uh, I don't think there's uh, there's too many surprises in there. I think the Welsh um, have brought um, Davies back, I think, into the centre, uh, which then they've moved north back out onto the wing. Uh, I think they've uh, tweaked the back row now so that they've uh, uh, they've got Warburton, um, I think, back at uh, at seven at open side. Um, I think the French have just released theirs. Um, I think they've got Para and Michelac as, as the halves, and otherwise it's the team that you'd probably be expecting. Uh, the Saffirs came out earlier this week. Um, can anyone remember? I think it's Dupria at, at, at nine. Um, yeah, they've only made one change, and that was bringing back uh, JP Peterson from that, from that team that got over the USA pretty comfortably. The, the big one for me is they've dropped um, Yanni Duplessis. Um, at tight head, which mm-hmm. I think is um, really worrying from a Wallaby perspective because 
He's been holding them back for a while now. He's been a penalty <laughs> magnet um, in, in and away from the set piece. So um, putting Franz Malherber in there is finally uh, a move that um, Heineke Meyer should have made years ago. But um, they've, he's finally done it now. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried that they're smartening up and, and turning their back on these veterans that are holding them back. Um, so, yeah, there's, I'm not sure you can ever call the Springboks dark horses, but I'm certainly starting to get worried about them. Uh, so cool, well, because and it's also Matfield, right? So Matt, 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 Mattfield's not there either. Yeah, still injured apparently, but I just wonder if that's a face-saving thing. They said they were going to bring him back from the bench anyway. So um, yeah, that. But um, I think they'd be loath to drop either Diego or or Etzebeth at the moment. Okay. Well, um, look, just moving. All Blacks on. also named Matt as well. All Blacks came out uh, as of twenty minutes ago, and um, ah, was it, so pretty was much the like? team you'd expect. Um, with. Uh, Savia uh, and Milner Scudder on the wings. Mm-hmm. Um, no Waisaki Naholo. Um, Nonu over Sunny Bill at 12. Um, and yeah, basically what you would call a, a full strength saw back side, with the exception of uh, Tony Woodcock, who's obviously been ruled out, and uh, our old friend Wyatt, Wyatt Crockett. Is he starting? Uh, in the starting front row, yes, yeah, starting at loose head. So, jeez, oh, um, the French are going to get—they're going to get to work on that. Strap yourselves in, boys, because we will be scrumming at right angles. Yeah. <laughs> well, who they got? They've got um, Owens, haven't they? Uh, they have Owens. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that, that's going to be interesting. Nigel can—I don't know. I, I think he's got a bit of a crush on the All Blacks myself. I don't think—I don't think this does the French any favours. Um, but we'll see. That's, uh, I'm looking forward to that game. I'm just hoping, fingers crossed, that we see um, a bit of that French magic. They've been talking about a revolt this week, haven't they? Um, which is what you always need from them. I think it's it's almost like a planned move, which they've got to they've got to eject the uh, the coach and then go on and play the best rugby of the whole tournament. So let, 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 let's hope that they do it. Um, other news this week, um, or just happened now, is um, is James O'Connor. Um, so, Rob, can you give us an give us a bit of an update on sort of what, what's been going on there? Because I think he's um, kind of given his own press release, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He's released a statement on Facebook that is very, very long. But basically, uh, if you haven't heard, um, he's reacting to Greg, um, sorry, Greg Martin's calling him a, I think it was obnoxious twat. Or something like that, or immature, immature twat, immature twat. It was yeah, a bit right. of a, it was a, it was a rant and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, um, he's basically called it bullying. Just to sum it in one word, he's called what Greg Martin's doing to him is bullying, and I mean he's written it. Well, someone's written it for him, or he's written it extremely well. It does go on for a while, but he brings up a good point. And I mean, taking that by itself from James O'Connor, I think is quite positive. Uh, and uh, uh, Hugh, you, have you seen the, the missive? What, what was your take on it? I've seen it and I agree. I, I think, look, for, for all the the issues around James O'Connor, when you strip it back as to, okay, well, he, he may or may not have written it. Um, and, you know, it, it he may or may not be doing the right thing or the wrong thing at the moment um, in regards to his decision leaving the Reds. And he may or may not have issues behind the scenes that we don't see. But the point he makes is pretty fair, I think. Greg Martin teed off on him, and, and I'm not sure it's entirely justified. And he's basically saying that he's tried his best over the past couple of years to clean up his act. And, you know, from the outside, it seems like he has, uh, it, you know, even though his on-field results haven't haven't improved. But, um, you know, it's hard to see what Greg Martin said and, 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 and 
and think that's an acceptable thing to say about any human being, really. That's right, um, yeah. Especially someone who, you know, supposedly, you know, the Wallaby jersey you both share and Greg's, you know, in and around or claim, you know, in and around the team through Fox Sports and claims to be a kind of respected figure in the game. Um, uh, I think he overstepped the mark and, and I think James O'Connor's pretty rightly called him on it. Mm. No, it seems to be a little bit of a, uh, yeah, from a media perspective, a little bit of a, a turning point there. Uh, you know, it sounds like Martin's taken kind of like one too many free hits. Well, look, he's he's been he's been pretty poor for some time now, and and look, I think he this is he's got this sort of double life as a as an FM radio kind of shock jock almost in on morning radio there in Brisbane, and I think you know it's 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 very easy to get swept away in that and and become the bloke on Triple M in the mornings that 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 comes up with the hot takes every day, but um you know when you're trying to be a respected figure in the game and and we do hold our commentators to to a bit of a, a a higher standard, I'd like to think. Mm. And some of the things that he's been saying, um, you know, and, and and his style in the commentary box has always rubbed people the wrong way. And I think um, with this as, as being a pundit, he, he's just obviously pushed it too far. And I'll bring up a tweet, a, an interesting tweet that's come up. Um, and I, I um, uh, it's from um, Tom Carter. So this is, you know, always like to see how Tommy Tom Carter, Carter weighs in. Yeah. Mm. So get this. This is a direct quote from Tom Carter. Linking to the article. I understand that I was the most overrated and genuinely disliked rugby player in my time, but Greg Martin is closing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fastest thing Tom Carter's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Tom, Tom, Tommy Carts, uh, is he's awesome uh, to follow on Twitter. Every now and again, you get a little gem. So, yeah, I would recommend it. But that, oh, that's, I mean, that's, that's quite funny. Um, it, it is, but uh, I think it shows you where the, obviously the players are. I, I, I don't think O'Connor is, um, and it's interesting. This uh, be interesting to see what, once we hit the morning in in the UK and see if we get any re- reactions out of some of the players because I know Matt Gitto um, has been very anti Greg Martin, and I don't think there's a huge amount of love for him in in the camp. Ne- nor is there a huge amount of love for James O'Connor. So it'll be really interesting interesting to see if any of the Wallaby players come out and nail their colours to the mast on this because. Um, it, it, it's it's a it'll be a good one to watch. Well, you know, it's one of those things that we've been uh, at Green and Gold Rugby as well. You know, we've had a, a rule in place for a while, which is look, you can say about someone's play that look, I you know, I think they made the wrong decision, or they couldn't, they didn't do this, or they did this badly, or you know, and hopefully plenty of positives as well. But but that but just to ridicule somebody, especially from a you know from a personality personality perspective or to write them off is something that we don't encourage even you know definitely not if they're like a lay person but even if they're a famous rugby personality you know you've got to have something to kind of back it up and you know kind of calling people immature twats you know isn't you know that would that would even fall fall foul of our sort of rules if you like Mm. um and so um you can understand how a player who i think uh o'connor says in his in his statement, you know, we've, you know, I've got no right of reply. You know, I, you know, I wasn't on the TV or on the radio or anything like that when you said it. So, you know, I guess that Facebook thing's about the only way you could do it. But um, it's well, uh, and, and, and an as, as O'Connor says, it's easy to part. You know, well, I think if he actually was being an immature twat at the time, if it was, if he was being arrested, drunk at the airport, or yeah, if it was after that, you kind of go, well, you know, if the shoe fits, mate. But um, uh, you know, I think he's kind of got a point in the fact that the last couple of years have been pretty quiet on his front, and and um, 
he seems to, on the face of it at least, have, have cleaned up his act a little bit. Well, interestingly enough, also, if you read this um, this statement, when I guess we'll have to put a link to it or copy it or something like that. So it's it's on the it. Facebook page. Yeah. Um, is that... Uh, oh, it's already on the Green and Gold Rugby Facebook page? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you'll be able to find it there. But... Um, he talks in there about uh, about uh, other players in other codes who have had uh, you know mental problems or mental health problems. I, can't, mm, I, can't I think I think I know that. who he's alluding to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and how that those people are shown respect. Um, but and he doesn't quite you know it doesn't say but I do too. So give me a and, and that's where break, I thought he was going too. Exactly. I thought this is where this was going to end up. Well, it was exactly set up like that, and if it, yeah, and it's almost like it's written to kind of make you think, oh, so that's what we should be respecting and understand. So, but it doesn't quite say it. So that I thought that was very interesting, and a bit, and it took up a good paragraph or two. Mm. Um, so I don't know if, if that's, it had been speculated. There's, was that something behind the scenes and the, the way this was written certainly stoked that fire. I thought anyway, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. And yeah, I think, at the, I think most people are still saying, well, yeah, uh, he's, he's back off the players trade. And I think most people would agree. It's just, you know, the, the biggest and the most, and the saddest part of this story is he's probably one of the more talented players we've got, and it's hard to see him getting away back to the to the the gold jersey for a while. Um, look, uh, so I'm just, I'm just look. We've we've had a good go actually. I know, um, Rob, you had an idea for a, a bit of a discussion point, but I think we might have covered uh, plenty tonight. Actually, we might save yep. that one up um, for 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 another day. Um, but that's just, that's just about it. I know there's been a bit of. Um, uh, NRC going on as well. Either of you guys know what the what's been happening there and what so, it was tonight? Uh, the ACT juggernaut ro- rolled on tonight. Um, they got over Queensland country um, in a pretty comfortable result by about, I think it was 42-7 in the end. Uh, the NRC, this is it's a bit of a um, two-horse race at the top with uh, Brisbane City and the ACT just streeting out ahead um, and, um, and sort of destroying all comers. So... Hmm. Um, you know, Brisbane City got up over the ACT last week in that top of the table clash, retaining the Horan Little Shield, and, and they've got it on the line uh, on Sunday, I think, for the last time. Um, and that'll be interesting to see how they go. Then we roll into the finals, and um, again, you'd you'd, uh, you'd think those two are in the in the box seat with the uh, Rising and the Spirit um, and the Sydney Stars all sort of um, vying for those other two spots. Mm. And Rob, have you been uh, following? This? I mean, I assume is it the Vikings your team? Or? Um, well, I, I go for the Rising. Mm. It's hard not to go for the Vikings because they're pretty much the Brumbies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I do keep a keen eye on the Vikings to see how they're going. They actually played. They rested a lot of players, so to get up six tries to one away from home was a pretty good effort. Mm. It just goes to show their forward pack has a lot of depth. I mean, they started. I wouldn't even call them weaker props. And um, Leah Lafano didn't play. Joe Powell came off the bench. Um, and, yeah, 42-8, so because of the eight try, the eight-point tries, if you convert it, um, was the final score. Okay, cool. All righty, well, look, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that then. Uh, and, and hopefully, I'm hoping they're going to time that so that we've got something after the World Cup final. Um 
I don't think they are. I don't know. Oh, damn. Okay. Anyway, look, there, there you go. Uh, that's that's this week. Uh, we'll be talking to you most probably, well, you'll probably be listening to us, uh, I would guess, maybe Tuesday morning because uh, we'll be running another podcast next week. Um, hail, rain or shine. Thanks for joining us, guys. Rob, good to have you on, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's been, been an honour. <laughs> another first to notch up. We'll have to have it yeah. back soon. Hugh, thanks for coming on, mate. Let's hope the Wallabies are still in next week. Let's God, hope. I mean, it's knockout rugby. Can't beat it. Well, you, you, and well, you can unless if we lose, you can beat it because I'll be we'll be have a big NRC podcast next week if the Wallabies get knocked out. I think. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm loving your optimism, mate. All right, <laughs> and thanks everybody for joining us. See you next week. Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>